Coog's house. Have you heard we got a brand new basketball show? Locked on college basketball? So today we decided to have the host Andy Patton on to join us to talk Coog, Zags, and more. Welcome to Locked on Cougs, a podcast all about your Houston Cougars. I'm your host, Houston-born teacher and coach, Parker Angel, here to break down all things Cougs. If you're a U of H fan or just a hater can to stop by, please be sure to subscribe and download the podcast each day for the latest on the Cougs all year long. If you're subscribed, the show should pop up in your feed each day so you can be sure to make Locked on Cougs your first listen of the day. And today, I'm joined by Andy Patton of Locked on Zags, I guess more famously Locked on Zags, but you also have a new project, Locked on College Basketball Podcast. Before we get into all that, though, Andy, how are you doing today? I am good, man. Like I said, I, like you said, I'm excited about the new podcast. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to get a chance to talk about the whole sport of college basketball, and of course, keep talking about the Zags. So, getting ready to get started the season. You know, we're we're just getting into it, week one. I'm ready to roll. Ready to roll now. Houston and Gonzaga sit in fairly similar spots right mm-hmm. now. We said talk about the whole sport. Like I feel there's a lot of people talking about you and I. Yeah, <laughs> right. right. <now>. <laughs> <laughs> um, the the Cougars and the Zags are both in the top three of the AP poll, right? Uh, frankly, in the top, you know, three, four, five of any poll you look yeah. at. And I think that kind of puts an interesting focus on like these schools that are relatively small in mm-hmm. terms of, you know, you know, endowments and size. And yeah. I guess Houston's a big public university, but mm-hmm. um, the mid-major idea of like dominating college basketball is interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Uh as a Gonzaga person that's been in this spot a lot, like Houston's kind of had it, you know, you know, 30 years, 40 years right. ago. And now with Kelvin Sampson, it's kind of becoming more commonplace. This has been your whole life as a Gonzaga fan. What's it mm-hmm. like? Like, let's talk about being in this like top A people as a mid-major. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Uh, people tend to, uh, I think, really overinflate how often Gonzaga has been there. Uh, Gonzaga has been a very, very good program for 20 years which is very unprecedented. What they have done, 22 years at NCAA tournament, even in a conference like the WCC, is absolutely ridiculous. But Gonzaga hasn't been a number one overall seed, a number one ranked team. This hasn't been happening for 20 years. This has been happening for most of the last half decade. I think I saw a a tweet recently from Connor Hope, a former guest of the podcast and a phenomenal writer about uh, college basketball for uh, Heat Check College Basketball. He was talking about how this is, I think, the fourth time Gonzaga has began the season in the AP top five, fourth, maybe fifth. That's it. This isn't something that has happened like 20 times. You know, that Gonzaga has made the NCAA tournament a bunch of times, but for most of that run, they were, you know, 11 seeds who made it, you know, the, the first year the slipper still fits, the iconic 1999 season. They were an 11 seed. Uh, but even like when I was in college, which was 10 years after that, they were uh, an 11 seed. They were a nine seed. They were a six seed, I think. Uh, the first time they were ever a number one seed was my senior year back in 2012, 2013. And so I think one of the things that happens with these programs is when they start to get a lot of attention, it starts to people start to think that they've always been there, that this has been like a constant for them. And then, of course, there becomes criticism about, well, their regular season opponents aren't as tough as ours. And we've seen that just recently where, you know, these Gonzaga to the Big 12 rumors have started coming out. Bob Huggins has something to say about it. And he says, oh, Gonzaga is going to be in for an awakening when they join the Big 12, which 
the terminology there is so interesting because it makes it seem like Gonzaga is like completely unaware that a that a regular season <laughs> schedule in the Big 12 is going to be harder than the WCC. I can promise you, I've watched Gonzaga play Pacific 20 times. They know that going to the Big 12 is going to be a lot harder <laughs> if that were to happen. Like they, this is not an awakening for them. They are aware of the situation they are in, but getting to that level consistently is, is something that that comes with more vitriol from opposing fan bases than I think you might expect uh, than you would otherwise kind of anticipate for a program like, you know, Michigan state when they're in the top five and there's not that level of uh, constant criticism from, from the fan bases of other teams. But for Houston, I think it's something that they're in a little bit different situation, obviously, as they prepare for the big 12 move. But uh, it is one of those things when mid majors reach that level that they, uh, they tend to get, get, get a little bit of hate from opposing fan bases. Well, and I don't, I don't know what the difference is. Cause I do think Gonzaga and Houston get that mm-hmm. feel very differently. I don't know if it's mm-hmm. Kelvin Sampson has the mm-hmm. pedigree of someone who's been around power yeah. five conferences or, mm-hmm. you know, Houston has been heading towards the big 12 and like the rumors have been linking for some power conference mm-hmm. for a while now. Um, it maybe it dates back to having like five slam and jam. We've seen Houston do it before or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Right. But like, I don't get the same vibe or the same hate necessarily out of Houston mm-hmm. as far as like, Oh, they got to prove it. And, and I don't know why that is maybe it's because Memphis is in the conference or, or like Cincinnati is a historical program or, mm-hmm. or something like that. But Gonzaga is at the core of some vitriol online. <laughs> I don't know what that is. I think part of it is really simple. It's that people, when you hear Houston, you think of a giant state or a giant city. You think of one of the biggest cities in the country. You think of a big place. When you hear Gonzaga, you don't know what that is. When you hear that Gonzaga is in Spokane, Washington, you also don't know what that is. Like it is a small town. It is a small university in terms of endowment. Like you said, in terms of the student population, it is less than certainly than Houston, than other schools in the big 12 than most power five programs in general. And so I think for Gonzaga, a lot of it is just like, is is feeling like negative feelings towards something that you don't understand and, and you don't know Gonzaga you don't know the the uh, where it is like where they came from what Gonzaga means whereas when you hear Houston like and you hear oh Houston's good well okay that makes sense Houston's a big city and it does it does I don't think it registers as much that Houston is a is a bit of a smaller school and is a mid-major program technically uh for now at least and, and I think that that is part of it and I don't know why necessarily i think mark few is somewhat dislikable for people who don't know him which is frankly fine i think that's just part of it too like i mean when you look at the current roster drew timmy is intensely dislikable and he leans into that and that there's nothing wrong with that you gotta you know play to your strengths if your strength is being kind of a villain be a villain like there's nothing wrong with that and we've seen that from him i mean since he was dominating kids in high school i know you saw a lot of that when he was out in texas and 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 so i think that gonzaga kind of leans into it a little bit which definitely contributes but unfamiliarity with where the school is and what the name of the school means is kind of a dumb thing to have such a big impact but i feel like it kind of does <laughs> well <laughs> it is a dumb thing what's mm-hmm. funny is like the the story on houston has been and so, samson has said as much like you keep houston kids in houston and you'll be all right because the truth is Houston feeds a lot of the big 12, right? I mean, oh, yeah. the, the big season they're hoping to have this year, Terrence Arsenal is a five-star, you know, from Beaumont United, just up the street, right? Mm-hmm. I think people don't think of Spokane, Washington is having mm-hmm. that. And Gonzaga mm-hmm. does recruit nationally, sure. but like Seattle nearby, like that's a really good basketball city, mm-hmm. right? Like, like yeah. they've got it in their backyard too. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just not like their literal backyard, or I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, do you feel like the, 
the Gonzaga recruits like a mid major? Do you feel like they actually hit out the you know the national recruiting trail? They've had you know two top five picks in the last two years. So. Right. Gonzaga is interesting because uh, a lot of their early success recruiting was was internationally, and that was kind of a big part of, of Tommy Lloyd was a, an assistant coach at Gonzaga for twenty years was the their primary international recruiter and helped them get guys like Roni Turioff, guys like Kevin Pangos from Canada, Robert Sacre, uh, Demontis Sabonis, of course from Lithuania, Rui Hachimura was a huge one, like. I've had a ton of really successful players internationally. Of course, now Tommy Lloyd is the head coach at Arizona, had a lot of success last year uh, and is going to continue to recruit really well for Gonzaga they finally started to lean into being able to recruit at a higher level domestically. You saw that with Jalen Suggs, of course, Chet Holmgren a, a year after that. You saw that even beyond those guys, Julian Strathers from Las Vegas, Dominic Harris is from the LA area. Those guys were top 50 prospects in their class. Hunter Salas from Nebraska on this roster. He's a top, I think he was a top 15, top 20 player in his recruiting class as well. So you're starting to see Gonzaga finally start to, to get some more of those high level players uh, here in the United States, the Seattle market has been dominated by UW forever and in a way that hasn't really related to them on the actual basketball court. It was part of the lengthy criticisms of coach Lorenzo Romar for the decade or so that he was at UW of we got top 10 talent guys who went first overall in the NBA draft or guys who went top 10 in the NBA draft and we don't have really anything to show for it and that has kind of remained the case uh, in Seattle even with coach Mike Hopkins taking over uh, the program there but I think for the Zags they have had some some Seattle talent uh, Corey Kispert is a Seattle area guy Gary Bell was a Seattle area guy Stephen Gray uh, but the the top tier guys either go to UW or, you know, in the case of Paolo Bancaro, who's from the heart of Seattle, Washington, he, of course, chose a different route, as you would <laughs> do. Um, but he was teammates with Nolan Hickman um, and Nolan Hickman, of course, or not teammates. They played against each other. And Nolan Hickman is, is the starting point guard at Gonzaga now. So they have been able to tap into some of that market. But Gonzaga has always done things just a little bit differently than everybody else. The the international recruiting was a big part of it. And now they've really leaned the last five years really aggressively into the transfer portal as well. And that has helped them tremendously. Yeah, you know, sometimes just the safest thing to do is stick with what you know, whether it's like Gonzaga going international or Houston sticking with Houston or what have you. And that's just the safest thing to do. Speaking of safe, this episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. If you thought about securing your home with home security, but have been putting it off, you want to listen up right now. Locked on Coogs listeners can order number one rated Simply Safe home security systems for 50% off. This is their biggest offer of the year, and you won't want to miss it. Here's why I love it. As I'm sure you've heard at this point several times in various ways, or if you're watching this at all anywhere, you've seen behind me as I record, I am a sneaker person. I got a lot of pairs of shoes. I really, really like Jordan's 1s, 3s, and 4s, and I got a number of different 11s. But anyway, I digress. I had a bunch of them in the back of my car in a gym, you know, paired hooping, paired wear, those kind of things, a couple different bags worth in my car at one point, and that car was parked in front of the garage at my old apartment, or my old townhome type apartment, and it got broken into. All the shoes went missing. I'm really still missing those Jordan threes, the all red threes, the white laces. I miss those so badly. When I called the cops coming out the next morning, they could not help me out because aside from just giving them a list of what was missing, 
all they had to go on was that it happened over the course of the night. They didn't have any video evidence of anything of time, car that pulled up, what the people looked like, anything like that. And now I can do that because of Simply Safe. I have home security system with a camera outside all angles of my home. Simply Safe has 24/7 professional monitoring agents using Fast Protect technology exclusively from Simply Safe to capture critical evidence and verify that a threat is real, so you can get priority police responses. Simply Safe has a whole home security with advanced sensors in every room, window, and door. HD security cameras for inside and out. Outside might have helped catch those people that stole my sneakers. Those cameras have smarter ways to detect motion that alert you only when a threat is real and even have hazard sensors to detect fires, floods, and other threats to your home. 24-7 professional monitoring service costs less than a dollar a day, less than half the price of ADT's traditional professionally installed system. With the top-rated Simply Safe app, you can stay in complete control of your home anytime, anywhere, arm or disarm, unlock for a guest, access your cameras, or adjust the system settings. Don't miss your chance to save big on the only security system I recommend. Get 50% off any new Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com slash locked on college. This is their biggest discount of the year, so don't wait. That's simplysafe.com slash locked on college. There's no safe like Simply Safe. You mentioned Bancaro. He obviously heads to Duke um, from the Seattle area. And mm-hmm. and Duke and those big schools have mm-hmm. a different pressure on their season, playing in yeah. a Power 5 schedule and those kinds of things. Like you're playing high-end competition every week. Mm-hmm. I – as a Houston guy, and I think mm-hmm. I think you relate to this as a Gonzaga guy, but like mm-hmm. there's a whole different kind of pressure on these yeah. mid-major teams mm-hmm. with their schedule. You got like three or four high caliber pre-conference games. Yep. And then the expectations just kind of you run through the table in your conference, right? Mm-hmm. Like Memphis is really good. Mm-hmm. Central Florida has had guys like Taco Fall come through. Mm-hmm. Cincinnati's got a got a good program. But Houston is expected to get 30 wins, yeah. right? Like that's just kind of an expectation nationally. Is Houston's going to mm-hmm. get 30 wins. Because mm-hmm. is in the same boat. So how would you like vocalize? What is the pressure like on these mid-major programs to like suddenly like just win every game? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I got a mailbag question for, for Locked on Zags for, for uh, an episode this week. And we were talking about like over under this many losses before Christmas. And the reason that that Gonzaga fans phrase questions like that is because the kind of implicit assumption is that the number of losses after Christmas uh, is zero until the NCAA tournament. Ideally, it is zero, period. Of course, that is is always the goal. (laughs) For Gonzaga fans, like the expectation is not that they're going to lose two to three games in league play. The expectation is that they might lose a couple in non-league play, and particularly this year because their schedule is just murderous to begin the season. They got Michigan State. Texas, Kentucky, all within a nine day span. They got the PK 85 tournament less than a week after that. And then they got Baylor less than a week after that. That is a ridiculous non-conference schedule, but they have to do that. They have to do that because they're going to go play St. Mary's twice. And that's not an easy game. St. Mary's is very, very good. But that's kind of <laughs> it. That's kind of it. St. Mary's is one of our non-conference big yeah. ones. <laughs> yeah, it's a, great, it's, a, it's a good, it's a good game. And for St. Mary's, like I, when you talk about these mid-major schedules, one of the aspects of it too that that doesn't get talked about enough because Gonzaga and Houston have graduated out of this is that it's really hard to schedule good games. It's really, really hard. And Gonzaga fans have been dunking on Randy Bennett and the way that St. Mary's scheduled <laughs> for years. And some of it is justified because I think there was like two years in a row where they didn't even leave California. And it was like, okay, we can probably do a little bit more than this. But <laughs> but it's also really like Randy Bennett can call the 
every team in the top 25 and say, do you want to come to Moraga and play? And we'll go play you next year. And every single one of those teams is going to say no, because they're like, right. we don't want to go lose, uh, you know, score 48 points against your ridiculous defense. Like nobody wants to do that. So teams that haven't quite gotten to that level, Gonzaga and Houston ha- have ascended to the point where they can play just about anybody. But for a long time, Gonzaga couldn't do that. And St. Mary's still can't do that. And you look at some of the other really good mid-major programs that are like a step below that. They can't do it at all. Like it's it's yeah. impossible. And so for them, they're just they just can't lose at all. They have to lose two like Murray State can't lose three games. Like they just don't have a choice, you know. And you talk about those programs, and it's like, and, and then you have the NCAA tournament, and then they pit, you know, Murray State and San Francisco against each other in a seven ten matchup last year, which was really unfortunate because those were two of the best mid major programs, and they didn't get a chance to square off against a power five school. And I just it's a different kind of challenge, like you said. Nobody's well, going to say that playing the WCC is easier than playing in the Big 12, but there are different challenges with Gonzaga's schedule that they have to adhere to and that other programs have to adhere to in order to get a chance at getting a top seed in March. Well, and not to defend big programs that because they don't need it, but it mm-hmm. is interesting that, like, you know, bluntly, North Carolina going to some mm-hmm. random mid-major in the middle mm-hmm. of the country for no reason, mm-hmm. it, it is a kind of a lose-lose propaganda, mm-hmm. right? There's no, there's no option there. Absolutely. It takes years of building the program that Gonzaga's had, that mm-hmm. Houston's had, that bluntly we've seen Cincinnati do before. Like, yeah. like there's, there's some schools, uh, you know, when Butler was in their prime, right? Like, the, like different yeah. schools have like proven they can do it right. and are worth going to play that make it, you know, an actual test for these bigger mm-hmm. schools. But, uh, you know, some of them it's just not. The, the other thing I think that's interesting too is that like, it's almost, not just because we're coming off the World Series here in Houston, but it feels almost like a baseball game, mm-hmm. right? Where like, the pressure builds as it goes on yeah. that, that mid major for a school like Houston school like Gonzaga with like final mm-hmm. four aspirations, yeah. that mid major conference schedule. Mm-hmm. It's like the further you go into it, the further you go into a no hitter, right? Like it's yeah. like the pressure of just running the table itself yeah. is its own obstacle. Not so much the other team, right? Like you have to be perfect night in night out. Gonzaga has yeah. been close, been damn mm-hmm. close a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gonzaga. Yeah. I mean, they, they, uh, the 2017 season when they lost to North Carolina in the national championship, they lost two games that year. One of them was the North Carolina game. The other one was to BYU in the WCC championship game. And it was like, that was a road game in late February. They had already played BYU. That BYU team was very good. Now you got to play them in late February at the Marriott center, 20,000 screaming fans. It's really hard. Of course, every power five program is going to say, look, we do that. We we have like four games like that. And they're right. And I'm not saying that they're wrong. They are correct. Like Houston is going to play BYU on the road in a late season, February game, as soon as they're in the big 12 and BYU is not the best road game that they're going to have to play. Like they also are going to have to play Baylor and Kansas and everybody else and, you know, Texas tech. And it's going to be really, really hard. And so I think for Gonzaga, like those games are challenging, but it's, it's harder because like, the pressure in those games is worse. Like if, if Houston goes and loses on the road to Baylor, that doesn't impact Houston's, you know, where they are in the standings all that much. You know what I mean? And this would apply for any power five programs at that point for Gonzaga. They're not going to lose to Pacific and Stockton. It's very, very unlikely, but that would be worse than any loss. Any power five program could suffer in the regular season. It would be cat. It'd be catastrophic for them. And there is pressure that comes along with that because Playing a team two or three times in a row, playing them on the road is hard, is, is hard, regardless 
of who they are. And Gonzaga doesn't suffer those losses very often, but they've gone into halftime down by five or six points to not very good WCC teams in the past. It happens. And it's one of those things that the pressure is more significant in a lot of ways, but there's also no debate that the schedule is, is, is less challenging than it would be in those, in those major conferences. It's just that you have less room if you're Houston or Gonzaga competing mm-hmm. for these like top spots, right? We, we just have less room to mess up. Where like mm-hmm. at the end of the season, Houston will play Memphis both home and away mm-hmm. twice in two weeks, right? right. Or, or roughly two weeks. Like yeah. Memphis is strong. Hardaway's mm-hmm. got a good program. Right. And like the pressure of like being undefeated in conference for a team trying to get a one seed and trying to get the final mm-hmm. four it adds to that in a way that like, I, bluntly memphis might not quite have right right um exactly. it, it's it's you know less for them we, wichita state like it's not quite the same as when they had fred van fleet there but like right. those are losable games that don't need extra pressure added yep. and, and we've got this extra pressure added it yep. it really it's it's the you know I'm, I'm a millennial so it's like air fryer it's like a pressure cooker of <laughs> of the situation here um it it just doesn't seem right yep. gonzaga's got a crazy slot like mm-hmm. it's an onslaught of, mm-hmm. of pre-conference games mm-hmm. this season yeah. um talk us through like what are you hoping to get out of those as gonzaga yeah you know it's interesting there was kind of this narrative around the team early in the season and the, the coaching staff kind of helped push it forward during craziness in the kennel which was their kind of fan first practice of the season event they had a scrimmage game and and they had interviews with coach and they interviewed with drew timmy an interview with anton watson one of the seniors on the team and they kept talking about like the young backcourt and the young team and like we need to gel and like to be clear, this Gonzaga roster is not young in general. Drew Timmy, Anton Watson, Julian Strother, all expected to start all juniors or above. Uh, Malachi Smith, Rasir Bolton are both graduate transfer seniors. They're both in their fifth seasons of college basketball. Like this is not a particularly young team, but two of the biggest players on this team are Nolan Hickman and Hunter Salas. They're both entering their sophomore seasons. They're both five-star, or I think Hickman was a four-star freshman. They both played last year, but not in super significant roles because of course the team had Andrew Nembhard and he did just about everything you could possibly do from the point guard position. And so for Gonzaga, I think the biggest thing is like, we have the front court depth, we have the talent, we have the outside shooting, the deep, we have all the pieces, but we need these young guys to step into these bigger roles. We need to fill these spots that weren't really there last year or that, that are not there anymore because you know, Andrew Nembhard's gone. We didn't even talk about Chet Holmgren to, to lose uh, an eraser like that in the front court. And then obviously his outside shooting and ability to stretch the floor uh, is, is it's impossible to replace with one single player. And they have multiple players and I'm not sure that they've replaced that level of production on this roster. So early in the season, a lot of it's going to be, how does Nolan Hickman respond to pressure from opposing guards, you know, something that has haunted Gonzaga since the Baylor national championship game when their (laughs) guards got blitzed as soon as they crossed half court and really struggled to, to kind of handle that. And then defensively it's how can Gonzaga still take risks on defense, still try to stop verbal penetration without the, the safety net that Chet Holmgren provided them uh, last season. And, And so far through the scrimmage games that we've seen, the answers to those questions aren't there yet. And that's fine. But the problem, again, like you said, is they don't have six, seven games to kind of get ready for this. They got one game Monday, then they got Michigan State on Friday, and then they're right into it. And the Michigan State game is going to be on an aircraft carrier. It's going to be kind of wonky and weird, and we'll see how that shakes out. But then they got Texas on the road. 
November 16th. <laughs> That's very soon. That's very, very <laughs> soon. And they got to be ready. And they, they beat the tar out of Texas last year, but that was mostly because that Texas team wasn't ready yet. They hadn't gelled. Their transfers hadn't kind of figured out how to come together yet. Uh, I could see a situation, hopefully not as, as, bad in the scorebook, but a situation that's somewhat similar where Texas is a bit more put together. They're at home. Gonzaga's on the road. They're a little bit less put together. That might be a really, really tough game. Uh, and then, of course, you know, Kentucky. It's never going to be easy to beat Kentucky, even if it's in Spokane. That's going to be a tough one, too. Yeah, it's going to be a tough one. But sometimes the tough one comes down to when you're hungry. And I, I got to be honest, I'm hungry. So can we pause the pod for a second? Okay, we're, we're paused. Great, because you got to try this. I'm talking about Built Bar's new reimagined flavors. They got cookie dough toppers, coconut brownie bar, the coconut brownie topper. They have white chocolate peppermint granola. It's Built's take on the granola bar. And so it's still insanely tasty, but it's a little bit more filling. They have a candy cane brownie puff for the holiday season. The Built Puffs are like taking a bite in this like marshmallowy, cloudy comfort thing that just tastes so, so good. And Built Bar is revolutionizing nutrition as we know it. It's got 100% real chocolate around it, 17 grams of protein, shockingly low in sugar and calories. Just 130 calories for most of these bars. You can just sink your teeth into the first bite and it'll change your life forever. I'm not kidding. There will be a time before you try these Built New flavors and a time afterwards, and this will be a marking point in your life. You will mark it down as a time from before and afterwards. And in that afterwards, you'll be wondering which of these flavors is my favorite. And I can't tell you which one is your favorite. But I personally, and because I'm probably a little bit basic, I've really enjoyed the pumpkin spice puffs. Now, I have to admit that that's the most basic thing of me, but it's one that's been stocking up my pantry to this day. Built Bars, you've got to try this. Get 50% off your order right now. You can go locked on 15 at built.com. That's locked on 15 at built.com. Yeah, and it was interesting. So you mentioned Texas, Houston scrimmage, Texas uh, the mm-hmm. other day, and we haven't gotten to watch the scrimmage. The red and white scrimmage was open, and then mm-hmm. the Houston and Duke scrimmages were both closed. And yeah. it sounds like Houston's uh, that uh, Texas is really athletic. Yeah. Um, and yeah. and I, you know, I imagine there will be like, oh, if it, if it goes poorly, I can see the Baylor comparison, right? Mm-hmm. The, like, oh, they're just too big, strong, and fast. Or when yeah, really, that Baylor yeah, team yeah. was just phenomenal. Houston's in a similar spot. They have Northern Colorado mm-hmm. to start the season. But then they have St. Joe's Friday. They have Oregon. Yeah. Uh, they have St. Mary's. You mentioned they have Alabama and Virginia, and that's all Jeez. before we get out for Christmas break. Like, like that's just it's just just brutal. And and so many teams wouldn't be expected to win, you know, all but one of those games. But like for you, like you, if Houston doesn't win all but one of those games, like. I think that's probably fine for Houston and Kelvin Sampson's maybe not going to be super upset about it, depending how the losses happen, but that's going to hurt them more than it might hurt other teams. And that's, that's a bummer. <laughs> right. No, we, we just cause Texas, the team was out. If Texas mm-hmm. went through that slot and went two yeah. and two, mm-hmm. because there's this understanding that they'll go, they'll play good teams in the big 12 and right. they can go, you know, right. if they, whatever that is, you know, seven and four, what in the big, like they can theoretically mm-hmm. piece together a good yeah. season. Whereas if Houston goes two and two, if they don't win 30 games, they're probably not a top three seed, right? Like, right. like that just sinks the season very quickly. Yeah. In a way that doesn't quite seem fair, right? Like, it's right. just like, uh, it's just the way that the cards were dealt. Yeah. Um, the way, the way Houston's fixed it, and this is kind of transitioning to the last bit I got to talk to you about here is I think this is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Houston is fixing it by just joining the big guys yeah. next year. Exactly. Now, we're a little behind in finances, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Fertitta mm-hmm. built a new stadium and things are coming along. And obviously, once those TV dollars start rolling in, Houston will start to build. It. The plans are already, I mean, football coach Dana Holgerson has already commented, like, you've got to have the money to build it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Houston will chime in very quickly. And as I said earlier, 
if you keep Houston kids in Houston, you got a chance, right? Mm-hmm. Gonzaga has both said they're not doing that. There's rumors mm-hmm. they may want to do that. That yeah. there's rumors about like all kinds of different conferences to join. If they did do that, not even football throws a wrench in it. Mm-hmm. What's the what's going on? Is is Gonzaga ever going to do this thing? Yeah, it's it's yeah it's it's uh, one of those things that has really picked up steam this offseason, Really, very recently, of course, with Gonzaga. Uh, known to have conversations with Big 12 Commissioner Brett. Young, I, I blame us. I blame us. <laughs> um, but we knew that Gonzaga had had conversations with the Big East. Uh, we don't know a ton about the how serious those conversations were, or how exploratory they were. Uh, we know that the Pac-12 and Gonzaga have at least had some conversations as well. Uh, Gonzaga first really threatened to leave the WCC in 2018 uh, to go to the Mountain West. At the time, that was kind of the option that they had. Um, it wasn't a clearly defined better conference than the WCC. Uh, but the Gonzaga was trying to get the WCC to give them more, uh, you know, a bigger share of the money that goes to the conference for winning games, in the NCAA tournament, which Gonzaga justifiably was like, we're the only team that's doing this. So we should get a bigger piece <laughs> of the puzzle here. Um, and eventually when the mountain West held a vote and every single school unanimously voted to accept Gonzaga, all of the sudden the WCC caved and started giving Gonzaga some of the stuff that they were asking for. So we have seen Gonzaga use conference realignment as a power play in the WCC. I bring that up because it seems pretty relevant to what is happening currently. People were bringing up again in in my mailbag questions and just kind of conversation on Twitter. A lot of it is about how, this article from Pete Thamel at ESPN that talked about Gonzaga's conversation with the Big 12 was very open and there was it was clear that somebody wanted this out there. And to me, that is significant. This is not it's by design that we are learning about this at this time that this conversation was made public. Gonzaga is attempting to start a bidding war. They went from one conference, the Mountain West, which wanted them, which they used to leverage now All of these conferences are at least in some capacity interested. We don't know exactly how much. The financial aspect of it is very interesting because the Big 12s, you know, in theory would cut Gonzaga some check, but it's going to be way different than the check for any other school in that conference because they don't have football. Like, you know, it's, it's a completely different animal. It's a completely different thing. But if you look at the Big 12 conference, and you look at the additions they're making with Houston, of course, coming on board, and you look at, like, they're already the best basketball conference in the country, and they add Gonzaga, and it becomes not even close. I mean, it's not even close at that well, point. And it's interesting that a conference that's more or less based out of Texas, Texas and surrounding mm-hmm. states, mm-hmm. right? And we think of Texas and football, but with yeah. the exodus of Texas and Oklahoma, yeah. but the, you pull in the Cincinnati's and the Houston's, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden, the conference is this dynamic basketball conference and frankly at a purely men's basketball level Mm -hmm. i see the appeal of gonzaga right not just because i want to talk to you twice a year to to preview those games (laughs) i I see the appeal of suddenly oh Mm -hmm. we've already got kansas just won in 2022 Mm -hmm. baylor won in 2021 there was no Mm -hmm. 2020 but texas Mm -hmm. tech was in the finals in 2019 right right you you theoretically like houston's where i'm hoping to make a run this year right like all of a sudden you've got like oh we've got the best team every year is someone mm-hmm. in this conference. Gonzaga is one of the best teams every year. Let's pull them in, right? Like, right. as far as the flight is, like, I'd rather Spokane's a little prettier than like Middle Nowhere, Kansas. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, look at who who are your number one seeds last year. If I'm not mistaken, Houston was one, or no, sorry, Arizona was one. Um, so Arizona was one, and then uh, Gonzaga was one, and then Baylor was one, and then Kansas was one. 
And frankly, Arizona had the game of their life against TCU early in the tournament. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Like yeah. that was a tough one. That was a tough out. That was yeah, tough out. Houston's right in that conference. I mean, that's yeah, it is a ridiculous conference. I don't know how serious these conversations are. I don't know how much of this is Gonzaga. Maybe they still are angling for the Big East because it's a little bit simpler with regards to the financial package and and, and all of that. And maybe they're maybe they're looking at other conferences. There's rumors out there that there are other conferences that that are, are showing some interest here too. And maybe, I mean, Gonzaga just did a scrimmage game with Tennessee. Gonzaga just scheduled six straight games against Kentucky. Gonzaga has a close relationship with Florida coach Todd Golden. I'm just throwing out all of these facts about <laughs> SEC schools, you know, like I don't know that that makes any logical sense, but would the SEC at least hear it? Would they consider it? Would they want to boost their basketball? I mean, Gonzaga also has a home and home schedule with Alabama that they've, you know, they're in year two on that. So like geographically, it doesn't make any sense at all, but neither does the big 12, neither does the big East. <laughs> like The only one that makes sense is the PAC 12. And frankly, the PAC 12 from a, is least appealing in every other dynamic, especially a Pac-12 without UCLA and USC. Right. It's not a particularly appealing conference for Gonzaga. The Pac-12 has also uh, put up big stinks for years and years about we're only going to accept high research institutions and we're only going to accept big endowment schools and they have to have football. And they've been really kind of preachy about that and really rejected BYU because of that. And now I think it's going to kind of shoot them in the foot a little bit. <laughs> You, you joked about the SEC, but that does make me think, uh, first of all, I say joked, I guess, who knows? But um, the the interesting thought to me there is that the money cut is going to be obviously very different. But like yeah. we talked about the Big 12 being a basketball heavy conference. Mm -hmm. Most other conferences, I guess the Big 10 has good basketball. Right. Most other conferences are like, and the Big 12, I guess, to some degree, the money will still steer towards football. Right. Our football first, the SEC yeah. being the biggest of. Sure. Gonzaga not having that outside mm -hmm. of changing the cut of money they get, mm -hmm. right? How is that going to shift this thing? Yeah, I think that's an interesting part because the assumption for so long has been that it would shift it dramatically, that it's a that it's a non-starter. And that's what the Pac-12 has been saying is that it's a non-starter. And that's why the Big East has been the big angle because, you know, you look at the Big East and they are effectively a group of the best basketball schools that don't have football and also UConn. Um, and Gonzaga is the one exception. Like Gonzaga is the thing that's missing from that conference. There are other you know, like Dayton is a school that apparently the Big East has angled for in the past. And that makes a lot of sense. It makes more sense geographically in that regard. St. Louis, Loyola, Chicago, like there's some good options for the Big East, but Gonzaga is the best. And, right. and maybe they're still kind of angling for that potentially. Um, but the Big 12 having this conversation at least means that they're willing to consider it without football. And that is that's why this is an important step. This is the, it is it is the first time we've really seen that. And now we're hearing that the Pac-12 is kind of scrambling a little bit because they probably thought Gonzaga was a backup backup plan that they had. And they were like, well, if we're going to add San Diego State, who's a top 20 basketball program and also fits geographically, is in a big media market and has a good football team. If they're going to add San Diego State, they want to add one more school. Maybe Gonzaga makes sense. But now they're starting to realize that that might not be an option if these other conferences are interested and if they're thinking about finding a way to to, you know, up their package with ESPN or Fox Sports and, and adding Gonzaga and some of their high profile games into the mix. Uh, so it'll be really interesting to see kind of how it shakes out. I, I for a long time, we would have thought that football would just kind of make Gonzaga a deal breaker in terms of a power five conference. But that doesn't look like the case anymore. Well, and, and Andy, you're not hosting Lockdown College Football. You're hosting Lockdown College Basketball. <laughs> Tell people where can they find you, the new show, all the stuff. 
Absolutely. Yeah. You can follow me on Twitter, uh, Andy Patton, CBB. Um, you can follow Locked On Zags on Twitter at Locked On Zags, uh, obviously, wherever you get podcasts. Locked On College Basketball, we're in our first week. So just a handful of episodes there. Uh, again, you can find it wherever you find podcasts. You can find both Locked On Zags and Locked On College Basketball on YouTube as well and can hit that subscribe button uh, so we can continue to grow there. Thank you so much for coming on today, Andy. It was a pleasure as always. And I guess we're both sticking up for little guys, at least this year. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you, Parker. I appreciate it. Make sure you follow Andy. And you can follow me and this show at Painsworth512. That's P-A-I-N-S-W-O-R-D-H-512 on Twitter and Instagram. I'll be posting all updates on the show and the Cougs on Twitter. I love talking Houston sports, including the Houston Rockets. I love talking Houston Rockets. The Houston Astros, World Series champion, I should say. Houston Astros are always fun to talk about as well. I guess we can also talk about the Houston Texans. Thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day here at Locked On Cougs. If you're looking for a second listen of the day, I'm going to recommend Andy's show, Locked On College Basketball basketball for a more national picture of college hoops because frankly i feel like houston's going to tie into that a lot this year so since you and i like houston let's send you over to watch and listen to his show as well locked on college basketball again thank you all so much for downloading subscribing to all the more things to help with the show be sure to make locked on cougs your first listen today locked on cougs is a proud member of the locked on podcast network your team every day go cougs